0: Welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I am your secret keeper and confidant, Lauren White. I'm a qualified counsellor and sexologist, madam of a secret society, author of Permission, and a witty, highly intuitive lounge room dancing introvert. I help you as an exceptional woman in entrepreneurship to see, love, and trust all the parts of yourself, especially the unseen. Let's pull back the curtain, light the candelabra, and remove the mask. These are the Secrets Women Keep. Hello, and welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I am your host and confidant, Lauren White, and in today's solo episode, we're going to be talking all about the secrets of depression. That's right, depression has a lot of secrets. So I found out just recently. I'm going to be completely candid with you today. I'm talking about this still very much stigmatized topic because I recently went through a big protracted bout of depression. And I want you to know that if you're experiencing depression, that you're not alone. But I want to get more specific than that. I want to make sure that everyone listening is able to look out for the nuances and the secrets of depression because there were some sneaky things that I was experiencing that I put down purely to personality style. And turns out that I was really wrong about that. I had a lot of blind spots when it came to my own mental well-being, mainly because I've got such a high threshold for pain and a very high tolerance for deepness and darkness and all of those sorts of things. In this case, it didn't work in my favor, and I want to make sure that if you're hardwired a little bit like me, that you don't have the same blind spots as well. And if you do, then by the the end of today's episode, you're going to know a whole lot more about yourself and about your mental health, and more importantly, be able to take some action as to receiving the help and support that you need because depression is a bitch and no one should go through it alone. Depression will tell you that you're alone and that you should be going through it alone, but that is so far from the truth. So for me, I have experienced bouts of depression on and off throughout my life. The first really really significant one was when I was in um I was in high school actually and I was receiving counseling through the school based around my parents separation which um really shook me in a lot of ways. I was about 14 years old and um yeah, it just needed so much support to really process all of the dynamics that were going on and the sense of isolation I felt around it. Um, It felt like as the youngest child, um, everyone was very busy with what they were doing. And seeing a counsellor absolutely changed me. And that experience was one that cemented my own passion in wanting to become a counselor or a therapist of thoughts, of sorts. I thought, wow, what a, what a way to really serve and help people. And, um, the depression that I experienced, it manifested in a lot of ways. I ended up studying exceptionally hard, really turning up the volume on my high achiever mode. Um, going into a striving mode, uh, being um, more conscious about what I ate and um, losing weight. It wasn't a healthy way of coping with depression, but it was my 14-year-old self way of coping with it and um, really just tried to not think about how hard or how weird things were in my household at the time. I never received any medication or anything, um, but just managed it in my own kind of adolescent way. I feel like the cloud lifted quite a bit when I was in later on in high school. I, um, really loved what I was studying. I felt really connected. I worked at McDonald's. I loved it. I loved the friendships that I made there because I was so different from my school friendships and, um, you know, fell in love and all of that and, um, didn't really get depressed again until I went to uni and started partying. I was drinking a lot. I was, um, using ecstasy on the weekends. I was having fun, basically. Um, yeah, using a whole array of things. And turns out that using and studying and doing four part-time jobs isn't really conducive to your mental health. I, things got really dark. I wasn't with my um, first boyfriend anymore. I was absolutely heartbroken and pining for him and really felt a sense of darkness i didn't help that we lived in a really cold house in Sydney at the time, and I just when just speaking to this right now, I can feel how cold my body was. I can feel how cold my room was, I can feel like never being warm enough, and that's a really apt metaphor for depression really. It's just like never feeling warm, never feeling hot for life, never feeling turned on for life. Just feeling cold to opportunities and circumstances and people and just turned off, basically switched off. What helped me cope during that time was writing. I wrote a lot. I journaled a lot. I wrote a lot of poetry, which I went on to, um, perform in some, in some significant spaces around Sydney and just, you know, channeled my, um, you know, inner Sylvia Plath, who's still one of my idols, um, channeled her and just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and And as sad as I was during that time, I was so sad, so many tears, so so lost, even though I loved what I studied, I was so lost, I felt like I had to have a boyfriend to feel loved and validated and worthy, and I just feel so sad for, I feel so sad for her when I think back, because so much of my self-worth was tied up in being loved and being acknowledged, and being appreciated. And um, yeah, it turns out I've got a lot of gratitude for that time because I ended up learning a lot about writing and I ended up learning a lot about myself through writing, which ended up serving me much, much, much later on when it came time to sit down and write permission. That's a little nugget I want to leave you with about depression. If there's a way that you can channel that sadness into something creative. It There's no pressure on that thing to become your life or to become your vocation or your life's calling. Just let it flow, let it come out, and you never know where it's going to be beneficial to you again later on down the track. So, we're talking, you know, 15 years um, or so difference between Um, those experiences of depression and journaling and writing and being in love with words and then writing a book all those years later. I never received any medication um, at that time in my life. I remember going to the doctor and she basically said to me that this was a phase, this was normal, this was a part of those formative years where you're finding your feet and your identity and that we just wait and see how it went. What ended up helping me move out of that was I started to step away from using drugs. I started to reduce how much I was drinking by a little bit. Alcohol was still very uh, prevalent in my life, very much on a social basis. We would, and to be honest, we would drink to get drunk. And alcohol is a drug if no one, um, if people out there don't know that little fact. So, um, it was still affecting me and my mental health in some ways. But I think really just time passing, getting more immersed in my nursing studies and having to niche in my nursing studies made me far more focused and less depressed and less sad and Made me feel like I had far more purpose and a calling and that something was on the other side of uni. When I stepped into mental health nursing and drug and al- alcohol nursing, I was really mentally well. I did, I started to thrive. I loved working. It was so good for my mind. And I felt like depression stayed at bay for years after that, even though I felt had periods of sadness or confusion, it kind of just, yeah, stayed away. And I was really, really happy about that until I got to about 25 and Ed and I got married and I had this major depressive episode. I am not sure exactly what triggered all of it, but maybe something about the sense of anticipation for getting married and what was on the other side of that. And being a high achiever, maybe I just felt disappointed that um, things weren't miraculously different after we were married. I was kind of lost in my identity at that stage. I liked my work, but I just didn't have many... I didn't have many hobbies. I was trying out playing drums. I was doing a few things here and there, but I just felt a little bit socially bereft being in Brisbane after a few years and not having all of my old friends around, not having any family around and just really, really checked out of our relationship and essentially tried to blow up my own life. I really made my best attempt at blowing up my own life at age 25. <sighs> that was tough. Um, there are lots of details and secrets that I can't share with you about that time because they're private to me, intensely private. What I will say is that the depression came first the depression came and then the attempts to blow up my life came and the attempts to get any sort of dopamine hit I could get, get any sort of serotonin hit I could get because there was a lack there. There was something not really working and parts of my mind became quite obsessional. I walked into the GP, burst into tears, and she gave me Lexapro, Escitalopram. And it changed me on so many levels. I was like, wow, I'm not so impatient anymore. I feel calm. I feel like things can flow. I feel like I have space to respond when um, someone says something to me. I just felt brighter, more optimistic and, um, far more hopeful about where my life was going and where my relationship was Ed, with Ed was going. So that first year of marriage was an absolute shocker. It was a shit show and that was all on me. That wasn't on him. And time started to heal. I went, um, I found my sexology course, as I've already shared with you, and found a lot of purpose. Admittedly, I felt sad for a while when I experienced a miscarriage in 2011. I was really excited about falling pregnant. I was in the midst of studying sexology um, and felt great sadness around it, but not quite what I would uh, call depression. Lots of sadness. Didn't know if there'd be you know, a bright day again. But I moved through that relatively quickly um, because my studies kept me focused. And I started to think to myself, okay, you're in the midst of your studies. Now that you're not having a child, you can see these studies through and you can finish and start your business and then try and fall pregnant again. But yay for you. You're fertile. Let's like cross all fingers and toes that you can have a child in the future. Life was great. I started my business. It was um, very challenging. I kept working as a nurse. I experienced burnout, which made me feel depressed for a short period of time. Um, Experienced some trauma through my nursing job and, um, basically just stuck with it because I knew that building my business was going to be my exit for, from, from nursing work, which was really starting to actually make me feel depressed, but I wasn't suffering from depression, but going there, it was just like, I used to love it. And I was dragging my feet, had my first baby, Yvette. I was the happiest woman on earth, didn't experience any postpartum depression, great pregnancy, all the rest of it, wonderful first year with her, just amazing, absolutely magical, I felt like I was manifesting on this really great level, Uh, everything worked, it was just, it was 2015 was a beautiful time in my life that I look back on with so much warmth because I felt so soft that year and so powerful and, like, I was able to call in so much beauty. I experienced an unplanned pregnancy towards the end of 2015 and that changed everything. Yes, we wanted to have another child. Yes, we were pleasantly surprised, but I experienced depression throughout that whole pregnancy. From feeling sick and nauseous and vomiting to just feeling like completely flat the whole pregnancy. I needed facial surgery during that pregnancy. I needed a skin graft from my neck onto my face to correct, um, a basal cell carcinoma that was near my nose. And doctors were worried that the pregnancy hormones were going to give me an even nastier form of cancer. And it was just a stressful, st- Dark, downtrodden kind of year that I really grappled with. The one day of that year that I felt good in 2016 was the day my second daughter was born. Amazing birth, not so great pregnancy. Unfortunately, feeling good didn't last very long and I soon dipped into a dark depression that was centered around powerlessness. I felt powerless in that second postpartum period that I went through. I felt like every woman out there was so powerful and I had nothing and that having kids wasn't even a big deal and who cares and, well, having children isn't all that all that great compared to all these flashy things that are that other women are doing out there that are getting recognised and are getting acknowledgement and they're getting status and money and all the rest of it. It was really, really dark and I ended up calling one of my closest friends and blubbering down the line and just screaming about how I had no power and she was like, okay, I really think you need to go to the doctor and talk about this got myself to the GP and she prescribed Zoloft. She couldn't prescribe Lexapro because it was contraindicated um, as I was breastfeeding. I felt disappointed, but I was willing to give Zoloft a go, just anything to feel better. It took me two tablets and I threw them in the bin. I've instantly felt nauseous and wanted to vomit when I had them. And there was no way I was experiencing vomiting and nausea after being on on (laughs) Denzitron for the early stages of my pregnancy. It's just like no way not going back to that. I ended up, I'm gonna fast forward to end of 2020. I ended up tolerating low-grade mood, all of my highly critical mind, my irritability, my um, lack of pleasure in so many things, I ended up tolerating all of that for the next four years. Four years. Four years of what I would coin as low-grade functional depression – I can still do things when I'm depressed. I can still do a lot of things. It takes a lot for me to completely check out of life and not get shit done because I'm a get shit done kind of woman. And when the doctor asked me this most recent occasion at the beginning of 2021, said, How's your motivation? I'm like, I'm a type A personality. I'll always be motivated. It's going to take a lot. So, I digress. I'll rewind just a little bit. What got me into that GP's office? 2020 was hard, right? (laughs) It was hard for a lot of us. I know I'm not alone. Uh, I know I'm not alone. It was a year of like, almost like stop, start, stop, 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 start for me in terms of, um, particularly in terms of my work. I feel like I'd get into flow and then I'd stop. And In mid 2020, I started to feel sick. I started to feel unwell. I felt like I had a virus that had just inhabited my body and was just bringing me down. My head was foggy. My uh, circulation was crap. My, um, my, I would get like, like hot flushes through my body and like tingles up and down my spine. Like I was really sick and my body was trying to fight something off. I put up with those symptoms for a really long time, and surprise, surprise, as I put up with those symptoms, my magnetism started to drop, my energy started to drop, I just was struggling to show up online, I was doing the bare minimum, I don't know what I got done in those months, but it wasn't much, but I tried, I still tried, and turns out I had low iron, and I got an infusion for that. But it didn't fix the fatigue that I was experiencing. It didn't fix the fo- the fogginess. And I ended up returning back to my acupuncturist and just going through full protocols, gut protocols, um, going gluten-free so that I can try and absorb iron a lot better, uh, supplements galore, acupuncture sessions, going still going to my osteopath, still just trying to keep my body. I was still working out even though I was so fatigued. I was just trying to maintain some sort of baseline um, so that when everything started working, I would feel really, really good. And it got to the end of 2020. I was starting to feel better. Everything was starting to work. I was really, I'm really glad I did everything I did last year. And I really, really missed our family all through last year. Really, really missed them. Really missed family support. And we made an attempt to go to Sydney. And then we drove back home. We had to drive back home because our border was about to shut because of COVID. So it was a really, really speedy, quick, like, no joke, it was a 24-hour visit that we had um, down in Sydney and came back. And we hadn't seen everyone for such a long time. And I was just really fucking disappointed. And we spent the holidays at home and I just didn't feel like I needed to spend lots of time at home, and I'm sure so many listeners can, listeners can relate to this. I wanted to be in a different environment. I wanted to be around people that could play with kids and just have some respite and a different sense of connection. One of the last days of 2020, I had a major dark night of the soul, which I'm going to talk about in another episode tears, 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 questioning my worth, questioning why I'm here, what's my purpose, what am I useful to this planet, Uh how can I serve, should I quit, it was just everything, and it was just everything was like thrown on me in one go, like, why are you doing this, like, what's the point, you're like, you're working so hard all the time, and rah, 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 and it really threw me. It really shook me. I was like, fuck, not another one. And I spent the rest of the day in bed in quiet contemplation, crying, reflecting, journaling. Ed and the girls gave me some space and Ed looked at me and said, is it time to go back to the doctor? And to be clear, as someone who's known me for such a long time, he would never say that. Um, He's so tentative about what he says to me. And he wouldn't say that unless it was something that he felt was a warranted action for me to get help because he leaves me to my own devices because I'm a strong, independent woman. (laughs) Um, And I just thought about it and I went, fuck. The words that came through were, I surrender. I surrender. I am letting go. I surrender. I cannot go through another one of those nights again. I value them, I respect them, I cherish them. They bring great growth, but this is too deep down into darkness, not beautiful, introspective, regenerative depth. It was just pure darkness, this one, and I said enough. I have tolerated enough and put up with my own Stigma around receiving medication. Please note, I don't have that for other people. It's a purely, uh, personal thing that, um, I, a place, an action I didn't want to take. And I resisted and I thought to myself, you know what? When you were on a Lexapro 11 years ago, you were pretty bloody good. You were doing well. You were, you were, a you were the version of yourself that you've been striving so hard to be all these through all these years of personal growth work. Got myself into the GP um and just said was completely honest with him about, about it and did the DAS and I had significant depression, um low grade anxiety and really significant stress levels. So just to personalize it for me, Protracted, str- my interpretation of my depression is protracted stress has made me depressed. I'll just say that again. Protracted states of stress have made me depressed. Um, I just couldn't tolerate that anymore, even though I do the breath work and I do the decompression and I do the workouts and I do all of the stuff that I share with people that is so helpful. There was a problem. I wasn't feeling the full effects of all of that because I was depressed. I want you to know that too. You are not going to feel the full effects of breathwork, journaling, gratitude lists, like sound healing, anything if you're depressed because the narrative of depression will say, what's the point? This isn't going to work anyway. Don't put your hope in this. This isn't gonna work, this isn't gonna work, this isn't gonna work. What's the point in having dreams are not gonna come true? That's what my depression says to me. So if you've seen me stop and start over the years, what you've basically witnessed is the narrative of my mind saying, Yes, you can do it, no you can't. Yes, you can do it, you've got your energy, no you can't. And um, it makes me so, so sad that my growth over the last four years has been limited because I didn't get myself some bloody accessible medication. I wonder how many like times I wouldn't have cracked it out of stress and feeling isolated if I just had some medication in my system. Makes me really, really sad to admit that, as you can probably hear and i just don't want you to deliberate it's not worth it it's not worth it just get something so that you can readily access everything that does actually work exercise works therapy works all those other um all those other ways of getting into your body and growing and reflecting work but hey guess what has happened for me in the last month I'm doing all of the things that I say worked, but they're actually working. I'm actually doing them on a more consistent basis because the narrative isn't so loud anymore. Instead of saying, what's the point? This isn't going to work anyway. All these things haven't worked out for you. It says, give it a go. Just go, just try. It's so, it's so refreshing to have that narrative in my voice, which I feel is my true voice. This is the really interesting thing about medication. It has allowed me to access the real me that I've been trying to access through depression. How interesting is that? How interesting that some people would say that the medication isn't real or the feelings that the medication generates isn't real that's not my experience i am still able to experience the depths of gratitude and warmth and to cry at something that moves me all of that still happens i'm so lucky i've found a medication that fits like a glove for me but I just want to say that it doesn't have to mask all of your emotions and that was one of my concerns. It was like, no, I'm here to feel everything. I'm here to feel all the stuff. I'm intuitive. I'm a feeling person. It's like embedded in all of my personality profiles. I'm ruled by the sacral chakra. I am (laughs) all of these intense things that I love being and I love intensity, but that just went way too fucking dark and I thought, If I'm not here, if I'm not here, then I'm never going to find out what else was possible for me. I was never going to find out what else was possible for my daughters. I was never going to find anything out that I'm intensely curious about. So please, please, if you experience irritability all the time, if you feel regardless of your menstrual cycle. That's one of the things. You can still you can feel darker in that luteal phase. That is natural. But for me I was starting to feel darkness around the earlier phases where technically I have the potential to feel really light and really energized. If, you're, if that narrative in your head, if that voice is just constantly negative, if you feel like you have this burning passion, but trouble executing it, you could be depressed. You could be depressed. And I wish someone had just said to me, could you be depressed? But really, we can't wait for people to say stuff to us. We need to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, hey, am I depressed? Am I struggling? How am I going? So my big takeaways from this last bout of depression and restarting medication are: intervene sooner rather than later. I'm not giving it any of my time, but I do have, you know, a morsel of regret around not um, not accessing medication sooner. Um, like I said, I'm not giving it lots of time. I'm not going to ruminate on it because it's just not helpful. That would be one thing that I would change and. You know, I would love to know how things would have played out differently, but I'm never going to know. And that's okay. I want you to know if you are experiencing depression or low grade functional depression. And I'm emphasizing that it's like, I'm saying it in bold because us high achievers feel it. We feel it and we experience it and we think it's normal. We think it's part, part of our personality style. But stop harboring the secret of how nasty your mind is and start to get help and give it space to speak to it, to be treated, to be expressed, to be in a group of women who experience the same thing as well or have had similar experiences. One of my big learnings to come out of this is the importance of community and how Depression will ask you to self-isolate and will, you know, encourage you to go it on your own, but that's not what you actually need. You really need that connection and that community more than ever. You really need help and you're worthy of it. You're so worthy of it. And the sooner you get help, the sooner you can start living the life that feels like it turns you on and feels like the life that you look at other women living, but you feel like, oh, that's not for me. It's just for her. No, no, no. That life, that style of life can be for you as well, but you need to address the depression first and then all the other stuff will work. All of the other stuff will work because you have the energy and the motivation and the inclination to take all the steps that you need to take to be really fulfilled within yourself that's been my experience and i'm immensely grateful for it immensely grateful please don't delay in getting help through your doctor through your therapist through whatever mental health care plans are available to you through your communities through your networks you know in pri- private conversations just anything to to vent and release those feelings of depression so that you can um start to find yourself again the true you that has so much capacity to receive joy and pleasure and praise and recognition and awards and orgasms and all these like really exciting things in life okay all of that beauty in life all that juice yes i hope this episode has helped you feel less alone in your depression I would love it if you could share this on Instagram by tagging me in your stories and in your posts. Sharing is caring and it makes sure that other women don't feel so alone. That's the power of this work and the power of sharing the secrets of depression. It wants to be kept a secret, but by us talking about it today, we're not keeping it a secret any longer. Thanks so much for listening and make sure you subscribe if you don't ever want to miss a whisper.